Well, much has been written on the topic of love. We have sonnets and poems and songs and greeting cards. We have the Hallmark Channel and the Lifetime Channel. I've been sucked in by Lifetime a couple times, I have to admit. I'm happy to say this is not the kind of love we'll be talking about today. <clears throat> our understanding of love, um, each of us have it on our own level, but our understanding of love, especially God's love, tends to grow and mature as we grow and mature. Um, the very littlest ones know, well, they love their parents, as well they should. That's all they really know. Why? Because their parents fulfill every need. They give them everything they need. And so a parent's love for a very small child can't be beat. And that's in terms of God, although they cannot conceive that yet, the foundation that a parent's love gives to a little child is what opens them up later on when they hear about this God loving them. They know what pure love is because they felt it from their parents. So good job, you all. As kids get older, things become more concrete. They love video games and mac and cheese and recess and maybe a special teacher. They love what they know they can do. So they love dancing or art or music or studying. I don't know. Um, but it's still kind of simple and easy. Yet at that point, they understand that this God we teach them about actually loves them. And they're learning what it means to love God back. Then our teenagers, well, they love themselves. I'm sorry, guys, but it's just where you are in life. Um, trying to find that identity and, you know, trying to find that every time they see another teenager and making that comparison. They're starting to get a sense of romantic love, although they're not completely sure what to do with that. Um, it's cute. I like watching it. But their love of God starts to change in that they see, they understand the love of God most clearly in community. When they are together in a safe place where they're accepted and, and can be themselves, like worship. Sunday school, youth group. And secondly, they understand God when they get the opportunity to serve God. You've heard kids who've been on the Appalachia Service Project stand right here and say, I've never felt so close to God as when I was in those mountains. It's true. And that the founder of, of ASP set it up that way. He knew that they needed a place where they could, where their faith could come alive through service. Well, then there's our young adults. Who, who do know about romantic love, and they do know what to do with it. I mean, who doesn't remember their first love, right? Not right? Okay. Kids asked me at MYF one night, Miss Lee, do you think you always remember your first love? And I said, oh, if Paul Russell walked in that door right now, I would be a drooling idiot. More so than I already am. But as young adults now... Love is taking them outside of themselves. And it's more about the others. And they want to learn more about 
this, the, the world and the, the injustices that they see, the social principles that guide our decisions and our behaviors. Then there's adults. Our new, as we hit new roles, and it creates a new focus for us. And we realize that not only can we, but we should, start loving past ourselves and our own circle of family and friends and really love the world. We realize that, that we're in a place now where we can truly and unselfishly love the unlovable. We can love the marginalized. We can love the stranger. So in short, we learn to love like Jesus. Now don't get me wrong, I think that the little kids in Sunday school, and they are packing those backpacks, they know that they are going to make a difference in some child's life over the weekend. And it's kind of, they, they love to do it. Our youth are so mature, and they hurt. When they see the plight of these Appalachian families, they understand, and they know what they're doing. And our young adults, totally in tune with, with the injustices of the world and situations that need our attention. So, it, it just unfolds gradually. But for we who listen intently to the words of Jesus, it's different. Love takes on a deep, enriching quality, better than anything we know. See, this is no ordinary discourse. Jesus is saying these words right before he's about to be killed. This is part of John's discourse of the Last Supper which is very different from the other three Gospels. You know, it, it's not simple. Um, he can't just say, all y'all love one another, and then sit down. He has to explain what is so different and unique about the love I'm giving for you. Well, in this passage, I think, that Jesus is praising that agape kind of love that is kind of the universal love from humankind, which is from God. And he offers us some clarity, and, and I think um, I saw three things in there that teach us about the perfect love of God. First of all, it's a gift. Now, we hear that phrase a lot, and I probably use it too much, but it's a gift. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I choose you. Now granted, at one point in time, we choose to follow him, but not before. He has said to us, I love you like no one else. No one sees the mountain of goodness in you like I do. And you can serve me and mine in a, just a specific, special way like no one else. Because I've given you strengths and abilities. Secondly, Jesus says, well, part two of that, he says, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. That was one I always wrestled with. I wasn't quite sure what he meant. Servants and slaves in Jesus' time were positions of honor, actually. It wasn't a shameful title or, or the low-class position, necessarily, because people who owned slaves and servants took real good care of them. It was almost a bit of an honor to be able to serve a, an honest and good master um, or the king or, or anyone 
who had that kind of um, gentle power. But Jesus goes on to say, I have something greater for you yet. I'm going to call you friends. Friend in New Testament meant a person who was even closer to the master than the servant. Abraham was called a friend of God. David was called a friend of King Saul. So the friend position meant that you had um, a certain intimacy and a certain closeness to the master or the king that others didn't have. And this is what Jesus offers us. It's a tremendous gift. We are given, it's a privilege that we have a close and intimate relationship, that we can stand beside Jesus and be his friend. This love is a gift. And with him we are in the business of, well, saving the world. The second thing I saw in this sense of love is what Reverend David Cunningham calls an excellence of character. I just love that phrase. That's my new best phrase, and I'll be cross-stitching it to hang in my office. Excellence of character. Character is that combination of your moral and ethical strength and integrity. Moral and ethical strength and integrity. A combination of all your attributes, your traits, and your, your best qualities. Now, anyone can have character. But it's the godly love that gives excellence to our character. It's what God possesses by his very nature, by abiding in him. It's what he passed on to his son. And if we abide in the son that godly love is passed on to us. It's love that's interested in the good of the other. It is absurdly generous and wildly accepting. It's intentional care and concern for others. It's taking time when you have no time. It's caring when you have enough cares of your own. And it's giving when you think you have no more to give. Excellence of character. You know, some of us over the time have been a little bit troubled when Jesus said, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. Now that's raising the bar real high. Now we as United Methodists believe that we are moving on to perfection eventually. But it still seems a little hard to reach. Excellence of character, though, is quite attainable right now as we accept that intimate relationship with Jesus. And then the third thing I saw in here was that this kind of love just becomes our way of life. It isn't something you pull out of your pocket when you need it. It just becomes who we are and how we live. God, Jesus said, I have appointed you to go bear fruit fruit that lasts. I'm calling on you to make a lasting difference. Not just keep our own little corner of the world all neat and tidy, but to go represent God out in the world. To be the light. To make the difference. He says, I want you to bear fruit. And when we do that, I believe we it's like an offering back to God. And then you notice in there too, he says, I'm doing this to make your joy complete. 
He's given us this incredible gift so we can love like him, but ultimately he wants us to have his kind of joy in our lives. What a great plan. Our excellence of character will not only make our joy complete, but God's joy complete as well. Now switch gears just a little and tie all of our emphases together today. We don't have any idea what life is like in Africa. We can guess, we can see the news, but we really do not know. But we do know enough to realize that people there hurt every day in ways we can't conceive. People die at a rapid rate that we just can't even imagine. And excellence of character says, if my dollar can in fact save a life, if every dollar could teach mothers how to care for their children and themselves, if my dollar becomes part of an intricate program to eradicate something that creates so much sadness, then I happily give that dollar and ask the Holy Spirit to bless it and do that miracle for the continent of Africa. Now many would say that a mother's love is about as close to excellence as you can get. It's the epitome of selfless love, godly love in action. Surely you saw during the protests and riots in Baltimore, the mom who was watching TV and saw her son and went down wherever he was and grabbed him and clocked him upside the head. Now, you know, normally that would disturb me very much. When I see kids hit in public, it's just gut-wrenching, but not this time. You know, I, this is what we call tough love. This was a mom, not just upset about what was happening in her city, but protecting her own son from a really bad place and trying to teach him a lesson that was valuable, could possibly affect the rest of his life. And what I really loved about it is that he went with her. Now, he threw a few words over his shoulder, and I can guess what they were, and she just kept pushing, and he headed away from the crowd, and I, what I guess was home, he obeyed his mother. And um, I just think sometimes it takes a little force to be excellent. And I bet you anything, he had a come-to-Jesus talk when he got home. She wasn't done by any stretch. I would like to thank my mom, my grandmothers, Bessie and Lily, and all you women. For your unique strength, for your special wisdom, for your years of valuable experience, and for your excellence of character. This gift of life-sustaining, life-changing love doesn't just, we're not just born with it, and it doesn't just come in a few Hallmark cards. This is God's own love, passed through his Son and onto us, and hopefully through us, onto those who need us powerful and I think it's the best force in the world and it will do more good than we will ever imagine in the name of the Father
and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.